The book of Isaiah chapter 12 is well-known scripture for Pentecostals where it talks about drawing from the well of salvation. I have here in front of us today a clear bottle of wonderful water. We're going to talk about this this morning with God's help. Drawing with joy from the wells of salvation. Let us pray this morning. What a mighty God we serve, a God that provides a way of salvation and leads us into eternal life and along the way gives to us the joy of the Lord. The joy to become our strength, the joy to overcome, the joy of the Lord to resonate inside of us that percolates to the outside and touches others. Lord, I ask for your blessings to be upon our time together this morning. May you be exalted in all that is said and done as we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. To draw water from the wells of salvation is a wonderful typology. And, but then it says more than that. It says with joy you can draw water from the wells of salvation. I did some research this, uh, this week and the earth has a a fabulous and abundance of water that covers the earth. In fact, if you would search this, you'll find that 71% of the mass of the earth is covered in water. That includes the oceans and the tributaries and the lakes. 71% of the earth is covered in water. That's 2.2 million gallons for each and every one of us in this service today. Yet, what appears to be an unlimited source of water appears to be running short. They're telling me that in California and Nevada, the Colorado River is becoming a critical level of the water going down. They have tapped that and tapped that and tapped that for, for uh, Nevada and for California, Southern California and the desert. And, uh, you know, even though there's an abundance of water, it simply says that our water source is somewhat becoming critical. I am glad that Springfield, Missouri, Greene County, our tributaries are full, our lakes are full, and that we are not on any kind of restriction at all upon water. Before it was even numbers and then uh, odd numbers that you could use water. But in some places, water is very, very scarce. Without an abundance of water or even adequate water, poverty becomes the connection to the lack of water. 80% of disease in two-thirds of our world today is in relationship to not having good, clean drinking water. You've seen on the news people that would go down to contaminated ponds, they would draw water out and sometimes they would just lap it and drink it right there and disease runs rapid in these countries. One third of the world does not have running water in their home. East Africa, they walk 21 minutes as a short walk to get water every single day. And so when we turn on our tap and we fill up our water jugs, and we take and we water our grass and we wash our vehicles and we wash the dog and we spray the children, do not take for granted 
water. Water. You can live on without food for many days, but you cannot live without water. It becomes a critical uh, area to hydrate your body. And they say, the experts say that you can, you'll begin to feel the effects of without water for three days. You begin to feel that effects, and it begins to dehydrate the body, and then the organs, they begin to have all kinds of problems. The United Nations have said and declared that water is not just a commodity of the world, but it is a human right fundamental to life and to good health and prosperity. Several years ago, our youth department, we took it, we, uh, we raised money to build a well, and our missionary, thank God for missionaries who go in and not just, not just preach to people. You know, God says in his word, he says, don't go in and just preach to people, but feed them first. Give them something to eat or something to drink. Do something, amen, that is tangible, amen. Uh, you, you can preach all day long, but, oh, when somebody's belly is, is hungry or they're, they're thirsty, amen, what a difference. If we went to Mexico, and one of the things that impressed me so much on that missions trip was that we brought in clothing because that's what the missionary asked. And I'll never forget that Mexican customs guard as he went back into the back of our bus and he opened up one of those bags that had babies and children's clothes in them and he held it up and he looked at everybody and said, which one does this fit? And we said, we're not here for that. We're here to give them to your teenagers and your school-age kids. We're here to, to give them to the missionary where we're going. Amen. And so the World Bank says it'll take $870 billion over the next 10 years to improve and provide access to just a portion of the world that we live in. Stay with me because I'm going somewhere with this. Water is so needful for health and well-being, but water is so needed for spiritual health and well-being as well. Health and well-being is that of what is given to us from the Word of God and Christ Jesus Himself. From beginning of history, the recording of history, until where we find ourselves today, the Bible is absolutely just running over with water. Talking about water. All through the Scriptures we find that God is dealing with us about water. Now in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, God says that His anger will be turned away from His from his people. I'm glad today that God and you and I are in good standing. I was summoned to jury duty several years ago and they asked me, what is your profession? And I said, I'm a minister. I'm an Assembly God pastor in good standing. And they said, we don't need you. You can go home. God is not angry, amen. And I'm glad, amen. He turns his anger. From... We're all in good standing today with the Lord, amen. I trust we are. If you're not, amen, you can be before you leave here today. Verse 2, God is my salvation. Oh, I will trust in Him. I will not be afraid. Oh, this morning, church, uh, there is a time in our world today that if we're not careful, fear will begin to creep into us. Uh, fear of the unknown. Uh, fear of whether or not the church will ever fill up again. Uh, fear about whether or not we'll be able to make it in our families. But oh, do not be afraid because guess what? The Lord says, I am your salvation, and I will be with you. Jehovah is my strength and my song and my salvation. Verse 3, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Verse 4, exalt his name among all peoples. 
Verse 5, sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. And then verse 6, cry out, shout out, great is the Holy One. Six short verses in the book of Isaiah chapter 12 that says, with joy, draw water out of the wells of salvation. In Genesis 21, we find water. God intervenes with Hagar and Ishmael. You remember Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah gave uh, Hagar to bear a child for uh, Abraham because she was barren at the time. And then God opened Sarah's womb, and she had a little boy named uh, Isaac, and uh, she saw uh, Ishmael and Isaac out playing, and he began to pick on him, and you know, kind of like cousins do. He began to uh, probably strike at him and, and throw dirt or rocks on him. And Sarah had enough and she said, don't pick on my kid. Don't, put, don't poke fun at him. And whatever you do, don't punch him. And she goes to Abraham and she said, listen, you got to get rid of that lady. What do, want, what do you want me to do? Send her away. And so you know the story, Abraham packed up some water and, and some food and he sent her on her way with this little guy, Ishmael. And when the water was gone, she set him under a shade tree because she knew that within three to four or five days they were going to perish, they were going to die. But God came on the scene and intervened and gave her living water. In fact, uh, many scholars say that that place where that God provided water for Hagar and Ishmael is still in operation today for the caravans that would go through. It was an oasis of water. When God gives you water, it's good stuff. You don't have to boil it. All you got to do is just drink it. And God raised up Ishmael to become a powerful hunter and he began to provide for him and his mother and God made a great nation out of Ishmael because God provided living water in the book of Exodus chapter 15 in the desert waters of Moriah you remember that story it was very clear how that they came to these this spot of drinking water but it was poisoned and they were told not to drink it but God intervened, and Abraham, I mean, Moses went to God and says, what do I do here? And God told him, he said, cut down a tree and throw it in the water. Now, isn't that ridiculous? Cut down a tree and become more thirsty. Cut down a tree and throw it in the water. And when Moses did that, he cut down the tree, and he put it into the water, and all of a sudden, miraculously, the water became from bitter to sweet. And they could drink it. What is the typology? Oh, in the desert place that we find ourselves walking, I will tell you that there is a place. It's at the foot of Calvary. Calvary's tree provides all of the refreshment that we need through salvation in Christ Jesus. Exodus 17. They needed water. If you remember, Moses struck the rock. And it began to gush out wonderful, fresh water. And then we move into the New Testament. And we find Jesus in John chapter 4 at the well with the woman of Samaria. It was Jacob's well. Jesus asked for a drink. And she said, I can't give you a drink. I'm a woman. You're a man. And besides that, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. He said, if you only knew who it was that was asking you of a drink. 
you would say, give me of this drink so that I will never thirst again. And Jesus did just that. He dialogued with her concerning the law. He dialogued with her concerning Jacob's well. He dialogued with her about the coming Messiah. He dialogued. He talked with her. He led her. And they had this exchange. And he gave her living water. She left without a jug of water. But she left with springs of living water abounding in her I'm grateful this morning for the wells of salvation. One of the stories that I find so fascinating in the scriptures is found in the book of Genesis chapter 26. You find that story concerning Abraham has died. Jacob is on the move. He's becoming relatively prosperous. How many of you know that you can get, become prosperous as you follow the Lord? It doesn't necessarily mean money. You can have, you have good health. You can have good friends. You can have a great church. You can have a so-so pastor. I tell people, I say, oh, don't come to Northside because if you do, you'll like it. And I say, it's probably the most perfect church in the city of Springfield until I show up. Oh, come on, church. It's all right to smile a little bit this morning. But here we find Isaac is he's needing to water his, his uh, herds. There's an abundance of animals. He's on the move. And he goes to Jacob's uh, well where that his father Jacob, had dug these wells and had dug them deep. And the Philistines had come along and they had taken them over. And so they contended for the, the water and... The Bible says that the Philistines basically filled in the well. They didn't, want Jake, uh, they didn't want Isaac to have any of this water. And so the first well, he named that Essek, which means contention. And I preached a message one time on boys dig another well. They moved on a little further, and there they began to dig another well, and they began to strive over it, they began to fight over it, and so... And so Isaac just said, we can have it. And he moved on and he called that one Shenam, which means strife. And he came to the third place and they dug another well, dug it deep. And when they hit that stream, that mother load of water, the Bible says that he named that one Open Spaces because they had peace. And they had ample water. They had ample water to feed their flocks to feed those that were traveling as nomads there in the land, to take care of the children, to take care of the ladies, and to take care of the animals as well. And I thought about this, and I thought, Lord, sometimes as we go to the source and the enemy tries to pollute our well, we need to just keep on digging the well to get that source of supply. Go to the source Oh, dig out the pollution of life. The enemy will pollute you. He will do everything in his power to stop up the flow of that glorious springs of living water. But you stay focused and you keep on digging and you dig until you strike, amen, that living water. And when you do, you will be satisfied. I don't recommend that you go dig several of them, but if you have to, keep digging the wells. 
Number two, at the source, one will find that they can become satisfied. I can only imagine as they were sitting around after they struck the water and, and the water began to bubble up, amen, and, and they dipped their, their whatever it was they dipped. You know, the old style, Ozarkian, is that long tube. Am I the only one that knows about that? It's, it's a well bucket. And it's a long tube. And you put it down by the rope and you fill that tube and you bring it up. I always thought it was just a big old round bucket or something like that. And I asked about that. Why is that? And I never did get a good answer on it. But can you only imagine whenever they brought up the well, the water out of that well? And they began to pass it around and they began to fill up the skins of their, of their, of their canteens, amen. And they began to put that water in there and pretty soon, amen, oh, they began to drink of it. And all of a sudden, it was just like a fresh air of satisfaction began to flow over and in them and out of them. I'm accused of not drinking enough water. When I come in sometimes of an afternoon and Late in the afternoon, if I mowed the yard or something uh, after hours, why uh, Sister Susan wants to make sure I get a drink of water, and I appreciate that. I prefer tea, but uh, it's better than lemonade, I guess. And I'll drink it, you know, and, and sometimes whenever I'm thirsty, amen, I may drink three or four glasses of water. Anybody here identify with me? Just throw a whole case of bottled water in your vehicle, amen, and... Uh, just tap into it anytime you want to. John chapter 7, we see the satisfaction. Oh, in the last days, Jesus made that proclamation. If any man thirsts, amen, well, living water shall come from the inner part of man. For Jesus is that living water, amen. At the well of salvation, we find the source is Christ. We find the solution to be the solution to sin's pollution. And then number three, we find that it satisfies. And number four, as you partake, you will become not only filled with water, and I'm not talking about natural water, I'm talking about spiritual water. You'll become filled. If any man thirst, let him come after me. If any man hunger and thirst after righteousness, shall be filled. And so I went to the thought of the joy, the joy well. Oh, I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame and nothing satisfying there I found. And then one day I came to that blessed place of the springs of living water which did abound. Oh, now I'm rejoicing every day, amen, as I partake every day of not just the necessity of a glass of water or a gallon of water or a half gallon of water, but I am rejoicing in the joy of the Lord in my salvation and in your salvation as well. Come on, somebody give the Lord a praise on that one, amen. The joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8 says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared for this day. It is holy unto the Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Spurgeon's advice to preachers was this. He said, Lectures of my students. When sad tones may fit an undertaker, but not someone who is called 
to proclaim the good news of the gospel. In other words, sadness is for the undertaker, but joy is for the uppertaker. He said that you are, brethren, you are, you are dressed to look. You're supposed to dress to look the part. Not sad, not droopy, not drooping, amen, like that old sad beagle, you know, amen, just don't get your way. Well, that's my grandson, not yours. You need to smile every day. You need to have the joy of the Lord because you're rubbing shoulders with a lot of hurting people. And they're going to ask you, they're going to say, what are you drinking? Robert Louis Stevenson, one of my favorite, well, I just, I love his writings and, and I use a lot of his stuff over the years. But he said this, he said, I entered into his diary this. I have been to church today, and surprisingly, I am not depressed. <laughs> Hebrew faith and the other Eastern religions. The Jewish encyclopedia states that there's no language as has many words for joy and rejoicing as the Hebrew. Hebrew has more words about rejoicing and joy than all the other languages. I'll tell you this, so I can tell you what joy is not. Joy is not from temporal things. An observer once said, The most miserable people I have ever known have not been those who suffered from some kind of uh, tragedy, which they could blame on fate or something else. But those who had everything that they ever wanted except the power of of the joy of the Lord to enjoy it. That's, that's a powerful statement. Let me tell you where joy is not to be found. It is not to be found in unbelief. Voltaire was a, a, a famed infidel, uh, and yet he wrote, I wish I had never been born. It is not in pleasure. Lord uh, Brian lived a life that, of uh, sinful pleasures, and yet he wrote, The worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. It's not in money. Jay Gold, the American multimillionaire, had plenty of money, yet he has said on his deathbed, he supposed that I am the most miserable man on the earth. Joy is not found in military glory as Alexander the Great was so depressed and so unhappy because he said there are no more empires to conquer. But I want you to know that you have a joy well. And you can... Tap into that any time, any place that you want. Just steal away from the cares of the world and kneel and begin to drink. Kneel and begin to, to, to take in the, the things of God in your life and ask Him to say, Lord, I know I'm going through something difficult. I know that it's really rough and it's tough on me and it's tough on my family and it's tough on my friends. But I know this, Lord, you are going to bring me through. And that gives me joy. We declare it as a body of believers that Brother Ed Sims will be re put back in his rightful place. In fact, his memory will be better than it was when he got hurt. His back will be better than it, got, than it was when he got hurt. And he'll barbecue even better than he's ever barbecued before. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They rejoiced, even though they were getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And you say, well, why would they rejoice? Why would they have joy? Because they knew that they were coming out. They knew, they said, we are not going to bow. And even if we are perishing in the fire, we still win. We're just not going to bow. So they knew they were either going to come out in this realm or they're going to come out in the glory realm. They knew they were coming out. Daniel in the lion's den, he, when he had done everything in his power, when everything had been right with him and with his God, and when he wasn't ashamed and he had courage and he blew, blew, you know, kind of bowed his back a little bit in his neck and he just kept on, amen, opening up and praying. And when he wound up into the lion's den, what an adventure it was when the angels came and gave those lions locked jaws. I could just see Daniel telling the lion, lay down over here, I need a pillow. Because he knew that his God was going to bring him through and going to bring him out. Paul and Silas, in Acts chapter 16, you know the story very well. They had cast out a demon out of a little girl who told fortunes and made money for her, for her fortune teller. They, uh, did they bring home a key to the city? No. Were they honored? No. Were they, you know, given a lot of uh, credit for setting this little girl free? Amen. No. In fact, it was just the opposite. They were cast into prison. And in the midnight hour, they began to sing songs unto the Lord. Amen. I could just see Silas say to Paul, Amen, give me another drink of that water from the wells of salvation. They knew they were coming out. You and I are on a different frequency. You and I are on a frequency that is heaven's frequency. When people look at you and they ask you, what are you going to do in your circumstance? It's a difficult circumstance. What are you going to do? All you, you know, they don't understand the fact that we do not see as as the natural eye sees. We have spiritual vision. We know that God is in control. And we don't worry about the end times. We don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because we know that our God is a God that is in control. And we're on a different frequency. Therefore, we have peace. I was talking to a businessman this last week and he was mentioned to me and asking me about what I, what my thoughts were concerning the way the government is handling different things. And you know, and I said, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just mind-boggling, and I just don't want to get tied up in it, amen? I just, want to, I just want to keep on putting one foot in front of the other and giving God praise and just see what God is going to do in our lives. I pray, I walk through the church, and I pray, and I say, Lord, we're coming back, but we're coming back slowly, amen? Thank you, Lord, for the folks that are not afraid to come out, amen, and they come. And thank you for the 50 to 100 people that watch on any given Sunday as it comes live out there. We appreciate that. But I just say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing at Northside. And then I say, wouldn't it be incredible, Lord, if you just heal some people of something wonderful? We wouldn't have to spend one dime on advertisement. We don't spend a dime on advertisement right now anyway. Maybe we should. Because we know that on this different frequency that the enemy may roar and the enemy may come at us 
But oh, this morning, church, uh, he cannot penetrate the blood. He cannot penetrate it. Uh, and therefore, we win the victory. Uh, we can have the healing, amen, of the mind and of the body and of the spirit. We will receive mercy from God and we will receive the joy of the Lord. So here's what you need to do is you need to take your medicine. The Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Look at somebody and say, well, I think it's time to just get happy. Happy in Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for the songs that you send to us. Thank you, Lord, that weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to close with a powerful story in God's Word. David had his misfits. He was on the run. He had fought the Philistines and he had, he had been with the Philistines. And he was one day, probably a hot day, and they were kind of holed up between battles. And David just happened to mention that he would love to have a drink from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. I don't know what it was about that water, but King David, when he was on the run, there was something that sparked in his heart and in his mind that said, oh, if I could only have just a drink of that beautiful, clear water out of the wells of Bethlehem. And three of his mighty men overheard him. They got together and they said, let's do it. And without King David knowing what they were doing, they went into the encampment of the Philistines and drew out water. Now there's two different thoughts that go with this. One says that they broke through the Philistines, which would indicate that they had to put up a fight. I kind of want to believe that they just went in and, and just walked right in there and just took their water and just walked right back out. Because I've never seen anybody fight with a bucket of water and keep the water. But anyway, we'll just save that for, let, let it just take care of itself. They went in and they received, they got water, and I don't know if all three of them took some water so that they would have plenty when they got back to where David was at. But they walked into where David was at and they presented the water for a drink from King, for King David from the wells of Bethlehem. And this is where it gets incredibly wonderful. King David looked at that water and he looked at his men, his mighty men. Two of them are named and one is not. He looked at his mighty men and you can only imagine what welled up inside of him. How how loyal are these guys that they would risk their lives for something so mundane as a drink of water? How that they would, they would travel and they would go and, and they would come in to the encampment of the enemy and they would go up to that well. In fact, it probably was the first Navy SEAL operation ever recorded. They went in, they got that water, and they brought it to David, and they set it down in front of him. And I believe that probably what they did was uh, they probably gave him a big glass, uh, and they probably began to 
pour it, or they may have just looked at him and, and said, here it is, king. I say they probably just gave it to him. And what did King David do? He looked at that water. He pondered it. He pondered the sacrifice of these mighty men. He smelt the aroma with no chemicals in it. He looked at it. He looked at his men. And then he looked to heaven. And he said, I cannot drink this water. And he went over. And he opened the door at Northside Assembly. <laughs> well, it's locked. <laughs> Lord, let this door open. It ain't gonna, it's not going to open, guys. It's not going to open. Let me tell you a story. It was a freezing night. And a young man was walking down the alley. And he was freezing to death. Now listen to me. Don't look at him. If he gets it open, he's a martyr. He's a mighty man. He's <laughs> Superman. He was walking down the alley, freezing to death. And he saw the light to the church. And he said, if you even know I exist, let that door be open." And it happened to be on a Saturday night, and it was so cold that we had started a fire in the furnaces, and it was nice and toasty in here. And when I walked in uh, that Sunday morning, uh, I walked over here, and I heard somebody breathing. And I walked over here, and this man was all spread out right here on the front, sleeping. And when he woke up, he said, please don't call the police. I took him down and gave him a cup of coffee and a donut. And he told me the story. Be right back. Was your anticipation, was your anticipation uh, uh, growing? More than one way to get rid of it, isn't it? He stayed with us for several months. And he decided it was time for him to move on, and he made this picture for me. I said, well, how did you learn that? He said, I learned it in prison. I said, you know what? You're going to leave here, and you're not going to be in prison anymore. Because every time that you question the existence of God, every time that you question the existence that, you're, that God exists, You'll remember that night you were freezing to death and you saw that brilliant light on the side of this church and you said, God, if you exist, if you even know that I exist and if you exist, let that door be open. And he walked up to that door and it opened up and we always lock it. We always have the alarm on. And he came in and he sat down, just laid down with sleep. Now back to David. He said, I can't drink it. The sacrifice is too great. The sacrifice is too great. We had a, deep, we had a, a staff meeting one time, and I gave every one of them a, a towel, a towel, T-O-W-L. 
and I have three towels that I put in here in my in my office. And every time I get discouraged or every time that I, I something that I need to, to to think about is in the ministry, I look at that servant's towel. And that's what we talked about. We were you're given a towel to be a servant. And so I just drop the towels out. David took that water and he poured it out. He poured it out as an offering unto the Lord. He was so grateful. He was so grateful. And it was so holy. That's David. That's King David. He said, I am going to deny the flesh. I'm going to deny that desire that I, David, have, and I'm going to pour it out as an offering unto the Lord. And I thought, what are the parallels Christ being the living water. He was born in Bethlehem. He gave the greatest sacrifice of any sacrifice ever known to man. And he poured himself out for you and for me. I'm going to ask Brother Chris and Sister Blaney to come and begin to play softly this morning. I just feel so strongly this morning that there may be someone here today that you just you just want to recommit your life to the Lord. You you want to say, Lord, I just I just want going into the summer months, I just want to reaffirm my walk with you, Lord, and I just want to be a, a drink offering as if it were to be poured out to you. If that's you, I want you to invite you to come and stand here in the front and we're gonna pray a prayer over you guys this morning. Would you come as they begin to sing this morning? I love you more, Lord. I just want to say, Lord, I just want to give myself to you fresh. It's not about me. It's not about partaking of the natural water, but it's that spiritual water. As they play and sing this morning, we invite you to come, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Whatever you have, whatever you want, need, this is your opportunity to come and just stand and, or kneel in the presence of the Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Come on, church, just worship the Lord this morning. Shut yourself in with the Lord this morning, just love Him. Lord, we invite your presence to just flow into this place. We invite you, Lord, to come. Bless your people today, Lord. Of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. Praise you, Jesus. Of the goodness of God. 
Let's sing it out, church. I love you, Lord. You have.